are listening to our very first podcast of Rabbit Troop Sucks, and we are going to analyze a lot of weird movies, which we tend to do. My name is Paul DeMarty, and with me is Michael Genova, and over the years, we've watched a lot of weird movies, and we're going to talk about them. And uh, the first movie that we picked is 1998's Phantoms. And Mike, do you want to tell them why we picked this movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a reason we picked this movie. We're, so we're, we're broadcasting to you uh, from, from Denver, Colorado, and we thought it might be fun to start with a movie that was filmed in, and, and was meant to take place in Colorado. Um, and we'll, we'll probably be, be discussing more of these types of movies, Colorado, Colorado movies, uh, but not exclusively, of course. Yeah, we already started looking up some other films that have been filmed in Colorado, and unfortunately, they tend not to be Academy Award winning or even close to it in caliber type films, but we will definitely be visiting them because they're going to definitely follow our uh, path into the obscure film tropes that we tend to like. Um, one thing that I really like about this movie Phantoms that we're looking at is it takes place primarily in Georgetown, Colorado, which I've been to a bunch. Uh, Mike, you've probably been there even more recently. When is the last time you went to Georgetown? Uh, a, a couple of years ago, uh, when, when family was in town. Um, yeah, th- I, there's, there's a lot to, to unpack about how this movie interprets Georgetown. Um, most of them are not, not accurate. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, or I can't even read my own handwriting and I have a series of notes that I believe Georgetown is actually in, the, well, it is actually Georgetown, but it is, uh, is it Snowfield? Is that- it's called, they call it Snowfield, yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the one of the fun facts about this, you'll see, if you watch the movie, which I you probably don't don't have to or, or really shouldn't, um, the all the police badges, uh, they it represents them as being from Mira County. Which isn't which isn't a real county, but it is a county that is used repeatedly in many uh, many movies. It's the it's where Reve- uh, the Body Snatchers takes place. Oh, nice! Um, one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies takes place. There's there's like a list of I looked it up and I do not have it in front of me, but there was like two dozen terrible movies that all uh, use this. It's like a what's the what's the airliner from Lost? Like Oceanic flight, like oh, Oceanic. Yeah. It's like the, the the airline from every terrible show that has an airplane in it. It was snakes on a plane. I think was also on the <laughs> oceanic movie. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're definitely going to analyze this in a lot of different ways, I'm sure. And a lot of it's probably going to just be humorous. So if you like listening to humorous podcasts about two guys who primarily watch these kind of films with their other friends and make fun of them, then uh, keep listening to this podcast. So again, you are listening to our pilot episode of Rabbit Troop Sucks. Um, Something I wanted to point out, uh, since I have pages of notes, which is probably going to be somewhat overkill in this first episode, is something I always like to do when I go to Georgetown is my favorite restaurant there is the Happy Cooker. And I don't know if any of the movie was filmed there, but uh, I looked up the Happy Cooker, and if anyone's ever in Georgetown, it's at 412 6th Street. And my favorite things that they have there is they have all sorts of like homemade chilies, and they make their own bread, and everyone there seems super nice. Um... I just have no idea if it's actually filmed uh, right there, but it is a pretty small area. So, uh, so uh, sponsorship opportunity, Happy Cooker. Uh, if you if you have any interest <laughs> in uh, in getting in on this sweet sweet podcast action, I, um, I mean honestly, if you just paid me in your homemade bread, uh, I would take it, and that is absolutely fine. Uh, but yeah, sponsorship opportunities. Yeah, I'll definitely take that. So the first thing that I note, uh, kind of sad, opening up is, uh, and I'm pretty sure many people have talked about this before is the the film opens up with that Miramax and uh, dimension logos Miramax clearly defunct you know all the Weinstein uh, there was several Weinsteins involved in this movie yeah all ter- torn down and I thought you know when I was younger and again this movie came out in 1998 these are all the movies I was watching that was coming out from these companies I know this you know is a big start for Kevin Smith and clerks and various other things so I mean that's clearly gone but yeah, kind, kind of a shame to open up in that way. The first thing I noted, and I noted this all throughout my notes, Mike, and I don't know if you caught this yourself, is I feel there are so many weird Stephen King references that they're trying to get across. And the first one I noted up is 
they're driving this car up this winding road and it keeps going and it's the credits are opening and it is the it is the low budget version of the shining <laughs> yeah i think dean coons really really just wants to be Stephen King I, so badly. I don't even know if I've ever read anything by Dean Koontz. Um, I one hundred percent have not. Yeah, this um, is not this is not selling me on doing that. No, I don't think we all we need, <laughs> we need, we need to do that. My, my first note, as, as someone who lives in Colorado, the, the opening scene. Yeah, they're 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 driving. It's it's two sisters: the older sister and the younger sister. The younger sister is Rose McGowan. Uh, the older sister is I. I have no idea who this person is. Uh, Paul is looking this up while I while I talk. Um, their their sisters. The, the older sister is like a doctor in this in this snow snowfield town, um, and she's kind of kidnapping her little sister because her their mother is like a, dr- a shitty drunk or something. I don't I don't know what the age difference is meant to be. It's kind of implied that the younger sister lives with the mother, but the older sister is a doctor in a town. So I don't I don't I, I'm not really sure what's going on there. But my first my first note. W- uh, there's a, they have a car phone. They're in a Jeep with a car phone. And, and Rose McGowan is talking to her b- boyfriend about like wanting to bang it out and how it sucks that she's leaving. I that you will not have cell phone reception today on that road. <laughs> that that is just not something that happens. I, I actually made a note about the cell phone just being old as hell already. I right. Mean, it was a brick phone with that, you know, curly cord wire. Right. She um, was talking on a handset that was plugged <laughs> into something. Uh, the woman you're looking for is Joanna Going. I don't know who that is. I also don't know who that is. Has she uh, been in anything else since then? I didn't really even open up on it. Uh, yeah, well, on, I don't on the icon. Know. But I thought maybe we should actually just even open up with the IMDb uh, really quick summary. Okay. In a peaceful town of Snowfield, Colorado, something evil has wiped out the community. And now it's up to a group of people to stop it, or at least get out of Snowfield alive. And that... That's a summary that sells me more on it than what actually happens as we as we will talk about it as it unfolds. Yeah, so I, I need to level with you guys. I and I told Paul this before we before we watched the movie, which we just finished. I actually don't dislike this movie. It is kind of right up my alley as far as weird supernatural stuff. Um, I feel the 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 end is a mess. the The last third of this movie is a disaster. But leading up to it, I'm I'm kind of okay with what's going on. And so Dean Koontz kind of. Uh, doing some reading about this, he kind of channeled some Lovecraft in this. Um, it was meant to kind of be kind of uh, his modern retelling of the, you know, the old, the ancient ones or the old ones or whatever he called the, the Cthulhu mythology. So th- this is kind of his take on on that, and that that's. I'm not a big Lovecraft fan of his writing, but I, I like I like the mythology, I guess. So I, I guess I'm kind of in for that for that reason. I just needed to, to come clean with you guys that this is not a movie that I hate. It is objectively terrible, but I do not hate this movie. On a side note, I've only seen this movie once before, and admittedly, I thought this was a better viewing. I will tell you that, honestly, that in my memory, this movie was worse and watching it again. And maybe it's just, you know, a decade and a half later and how many terrible movies that are so much worse than this uh, we've seen. I might just have a different, you know, meter of gauging these kind of movies. Yeah, I and I, I'm not looking at it now, but the one thing I do remember from IMDb is that this movie has a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's it's definitely earned. Yeah. So actually, one of the things that you note about the actress that we looked up is uh, you note that she's a doctor from the beginning, and maybe I was just writing a couple notes on the side, but. I didn't really get that she was a doctor until she later meets Ben Affleck, where it's like, okay, doctor, and I make a note of this, where she starts saying things like that she has some kind of experience with this. <laughs> one, one is they, uh, her, her sister Rose McGowan uh, is there, and you know they get into this house. And they found this dead. I, I think it was the housekeeper. Yeah. They so yeah they're they're driving through the mountains and the older sister whose name I don't remember already uh, says you know I'm taking you away to the mountains. It'll do you good. Get away from the family. Blah blah blah. And yeah, they they get to her house, which is also the, the doctor's house. It's I mean it's her house, but she is the doctor. But it's like they have the sign hourly visit. Blah blah blah. And yeah, they get in there and they find the housekeeper dead. Right, and, and her her instant assessment is like something happened, or I think that's what Rose McGowan says. Yeah, Rose McGowan comes in out. She's like, someone beat the shit out of this old lady. <laughs> and the, the sister who we later find out is a doctor, or maybe I just later find out she's a doctor, 
No, she died it suddenly, she says. Right, yeah, just we, we know this. She, <laughs> and, I'm a doctor, it's fine. Right, I don't know how you're making that assessment just by eyeballing it, but that's pretty much that. And then quickly says, you know, there's no blood in the body, which maybe you could assess a little, a little more. Yeah, like it's just, it's a weird kind of veiny corpse. And from that, she has discerned all of this information. And then they hear some noises upstairs and they instantly say, oh, the killer's still here. And I note they don't run out of the the house, but they walk briskly. Yeah, it's just kind of a leisurely. uh, So it's worth noting going back when they were driving through the town, Rose McGowan was like, this town fucking sucks. There's no one here. And older sister's like, yeah, that's kind of weird, I guess. There's usually more people. And she says, uh, there's there's, uh, 400 people live here, population 400, except for in the winter. Or sorry, in the winter, there's 400 people, except for in the summer when it blows up because of tourism. A Colorado ski town has way more people in it in the wintertime. Yeah, and also as a side note, uh, we don't see more than maybe 40 people in this movie. So where those other 400 people went, right, which yeah. they do try to reveal at some point in time, I don't I don't know what's going in. But I'm not going to always stop all these films, but there, it, was, it was something I wanted to note that Rose McGowan's character, Lisa just freaks out seven and a half minutes into the film or only (laughs) seven and a half minutes. And already it is just at a scale of 10. She is at a nine where it's, we need to get the hell out of here. What's going on. And then they try to start their car. It doesn't start. And then now we're just in street shots of them again, briskly walking in the middle of the street for whatever reason. And uh, they're going to the police station and um, when they when they do get there, I do note um, that uh, they they're trying to get guns, and Lisa asks her sister, uh, "What do you need a gun for?" And, and her answer is for is whatever. <laughs> yeah. So w- when they they go into the police station, uh, they they find a dead police person, uh, whatever. Um, who he's you know he's still he's all veiny like the like the housekeeper was, um, and. Uh, he has a gun in his hand and he's fired shots of it. They, there's shells and they're doing, you know, CSI shit and they're, they're like, well, what, you know, what was he shooting at? He doesn't miss. He's a professional. Like he's a, a Georgetown cop. He probably misses most things. Oh, right. Also, if you want to get super dark with it, Oh, he's a professional. We quickly learned the sheriff is only there in the town because he accidentally shot a child in a closet. So <laughs> if anyone's highlighting how professional anyone is, we got a crack. Yeah, team. we Ben Affleck hasn't shown up yet, but we'll, we'll get to him. We'll get to him in a second. At, at this point, you know, Lady Doctor is is theorizing that this is maybe it's a, it's a virus. Maybe there's something in the air. And, you know, Rose McGowan's like, well, what was he shooting at? Um, but not in, in a deep voice. So they, you know, they get, they, they find some guns and, and Rose McGowan instantly knows how to use a gun. She's like cocking shotguns (laughs) and like doing parlor tricks. Uh, She's very comfortable with firearms. An older sister is concerned about this and it's never really elaborated on. She says something like, I don't know, hood, hood rat shit. But that's, uh, that was, that was kind of the end of the Rose McGowan knows guns explanation. I will not use anyone's real character name because I did not write any of them down. I wrote I wrote some of them down. Uh, ben Affleck is Bryce, which just seems, is it. I did not pick up on that at all. It just I don't even know if it's ever used. I had to look it up, and I just thought that is the most suited name just for him as a human being. I want to just think of him as Bryce for right. Yeah, that out. makes sense. And and I do note upon Ben Affleck meeting uh, the 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 doctor sister it's the first time I'm like, Oh, it's established that this person's a doctor. So we just kind of move forward going through this. Yeah. I, I don't, I, maybe they know each other cause he's the sheriff maybe. Uh, yeah. So he, so after they leave the police station, well-armed, they, they go to, uh, they go to, a, I think it's a hotel, like a bakery in real life. It's a hotel. I've been to this hotel. Um, it's like a, an old timey museum. That's also a hotel. It's the one other thing to do in Georgetown other than buy candy. Um, (laughs) saltwater taffy. I don't know where they're getting the saltwater from, but it's great. So they're in this, they're in this hotel bakery thing and they're, they're walking around. There's no one there. Um, they, they find, uh, on a, on like the, the countertop, you know, the butcher block countertop, there's a rolling pin that someone was using to make pies and there's hands on it, but the hands have been cut off from the rest of the body, uh, which is unsettling for them visibly. Then, then, you know, they realize that the oven is on. They're like, Oh my God, there's probably some, some pies in there. And there were, they opened the oven there. <laughs> there were pies. And there were pies. And then 
they they heard something and like these heads just dropped from the <laughs> the top of the oven. I don't really know where the heads came from, but they just fell on the pies. Um, yeah, I, I that was that was that was a weird move. Yeah, this movie I feel also needs to pick a lane. I mean, sometimes there's severed heads, sometimes it's just whispery voices, mm-hmm. sometimes and for the majority later on in the film, what they're just referenced as dro- uh, 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 Dro- drones. drones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. drones. <laughs> I was trying to think, and I was like, not droids. They're not robots. Yeah, there's drones that they're just inhabited bodies. And this movie just is kind of all over the place yeah, with it, what's going on. It, it doesn't really, whatever whatever it is that they're up against, which we haven't really fully found out yet, it's it's kind of nondescript. It, it it changes its mood every, every scene based on what they want to accomplish. Um, when it does talk to people, it kind of talks like Bumblebee with the radio. <laughs> it just like uses different people's voices that it's possessed. We'll find out more about that later. Um, but this right here is where we, we finally get the introduction to Ben at or Bryce. Yep. <laughs> um, who is wearing the biggest cowboy hat uh, that has ever been captured on film. It's like <laughs> if you've seen, and I, this is a movie that I think me and Paul and maybe three other people have seen in scary movie four, they do a gag where, um, the 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 sheriff of the town every time they cut to her her police hat gets bigger and bigger like as a joke <laughs> this is the size of hat that the ben affleck is wearing and he's dressed like if mac from it's always sunny was asked to dress as a police officer with a, with a fuzzy duster right he's wearing like a duster with like a sheepskin collar <laughs> and his, his gigantic goddamn hat his one of his deputies is dressed exactly the same way, but he has a mustache. I just kept referring to him as mustachioed fellow, and my yeah. my first introduction to him, I just wrote mustachio fellow. Does he have something to prove? Question mark. <laughs> he does. Uh, the The third person in, in Ben Affleck's little police party is Stu. I know Stu's name, uh, played by Liev Schreiber, who is the second best actor in this movie. I'll, I'll tell you who I think the first one is uh, later. But Liev Schreiber, I, I like Liev Schreiber. I think he does a great job. Um, he is overacting, but I feel like he's just really having a great time. Yeah, I, like, I, like no joke. I actually think he is the best actor in this film. Um, there are moments that he's doing weird giggles. He's kind of freaking out. Uh, you get the sense that he's going to turn on you at any point in time. It is really funny when you pin him against Ben Affleck because it is clear that he's coming at it more seasoned and Ben Affleck is reading from cue cards. It is pretty night and day on who the better actor in this situation is. So yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, to quote the, uh, to quote Jay from Jane Silent Bob straight back, Ben <laughs> Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Yeah. <laughs> I will probably go on record many times with highlighting on how Ben Affleck is one of my least favorite actors. And based on this performance, I cannot believe someone hired him to do other things going forward, but I'll, I'll just keep that aside. And for probably many other episodes to come. Yeah. This is a movie full of people who it's surprising that either they did this as we will, uh, the, the top build actor for this, which we will talk about in a little bit. No idea how this, how they got this guy here, Ben Affleck, how he managed to do anything after afterwards. Um, what, uh, what's her name? Little sister, uh, Ro- Rose, Rose McGowan. McGowan. I don't, I never have known why she has been in anything. Um, yeah, she's, she's all over the place anyway. So are we just kind of going scene by scene? scene we, we can we skip around. Like, I think we're just going a little like overall in order and then kind of foreshadowing some stuff. Yeah. I know, uh, they do go back to this hotel after they all kind of meet. I mean, there's some, stuff that happens but it's not really driving the plot and it's like they basically need to get out of there and they go back to this hotel area and, and i know it's that uh, uh shriver's character uh immediately spits gum to the floor and i just wrote that was really rude uh, That's, like, they're never getting that out of the carpet <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully they paid those people yeah so they go to the there's like they go they all go out to the street together after they meet up and all the lights go off and it's very creepy but there's there's only one building that has lights on and it is this aforementioned hotel so they all go in there they all kind of split up the classic you know let's not stay together kind of thing and that's when uh, that's when Ben Affleck sees the the ghost of the kid that he killed which is why he's here and he he talks to the lady doctor about that i don't want to say lady doctor he's just older sister uh Jenny 
Jenny. He talks to Jenny about that later. But yeah, he sees this kid. Uh, he, he, the kid has a gun. He freaks out. And, you know, it's like it's foreshadowing because we don't he hasn't told the story yet, but we're kind of piecing it together. Um, yeah, just like weird shit's going on in the hotel. Um, One big thing in the hotel is they find a uh, room that just has a bunch of metal junk collected, which happens later in the film as well. And I admittedly don't remember why we literally just watched this movie <laughs> and we're, we're not, I don't feel in the future. We're always just going to watch it together and do it. But we thought this would be the best for the first episode and, you know, to see how we could record it and maybe uh, make improvements later that we just wanted to be together for this. And then maybe in the future, much like a lot of other podcasts we listen to, we'll watch it separately, take notes and then sit down. But I literally just watched this film and it happens a couple times. They, find these metal junk collections. I just don't remember what the explanation for this was. So they, they attempt to explain it later on, but th this first time they, they don't, they have no idea. They just, yeah, I they, remember they likened it to Nazi collections. Yeah. Cause they found a gold. It was like a, just a pile of like jewelry and metal things. And they found a gold tooth and, and Stu Lee F. Schreiber is like, that's what the Nazis did. I, that's not what he sounds like, but that's how I'm going to talk like him. <laughs> I like that impression. Um, yeah. And so, and then the, the, the doctor, lady doctor finds a pacemaker. She's like, this is a pacemaker. How'd this get here? Trombone oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So then, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of still walking around the hotel and th this was only to establish Leo Shriver as a fucking weirdo. He walks into a room and there's a, a dead lady like wearing like lingerie on a bed, not like sexy lingerie, just like I'm going to bed lingerie. But he he's like smirking and walking over and making sure no one's around. Um, and he takes off his hat like he's being a polite gentleman and he just goes right for her junk. He like like hand in thigh. And then then Affleck walks in and is like, what are you doing looking for clues? He's like, yeah, yeah, looking for clues. Yeah, that was like a super awkward scene. Um, it, it was. Yeah. I mean, I think it, they played it off like it was supposed to be awkward. But yeah, it just it it was weird. Then uh, jump to whatever. Um, I don't know how far we're into it. All of a sudden, there you know, there starts getting to be flashes and you know, these phantom voices, etc. And at one point in time, they look over at a table and there's nothing there. And then they look back. I think it was after a quick flash, and uh, they see there's a hand holding lipstick. Yeah. So let's let's talk. Let's go back in a second because that that's kind of the the resolution to something that happened earlier after after the the Liev Schreiber hand in the vagina of the dead woman scene uh they're all together and they they walk into a room and there's a mirror and on the mirror written in lipstick uh is is a note that that's says right. um find Timothy flight find Timothy flight the ancient enemy yeah um and no one knows what that means no one can find the lipstick they were it was a room that that Ben Affleck had to kick the door open. So he's like, it was locked from the inside. There's no one here. There's no lipstick. Um, so then, yeah, later on when they're down in the lobby, uh, light flashes and, and in a place that they had examined before, there was a severed hand holding the lipstick and everyone's weirded out. Right. And, and, and I wrote to really quickly on that one. The quote, as soon as they see the hand with the lipstick was, ah, that wasn't there before. And <laughs> I'm like, I, I bet. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, power of deduction and uh, great observational skills, clearly uh, all throughout this film from mm -hmm. everyone. And then uh, really quickly, uh, what the mustachioed uh, officer hears the phantoms <laughs> and he runs outside and there's a flash and he's gone. And that's what I said before, like pick a lane. Like, I don't know what's going on. People are disappearing. Uh, sometimes there's severed body parts. Like, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So yeah, M mustache cop, and he, so yeah, I, I, I won't ruin anything because clearly all, all of you listeners at home are just aching to go watch this movie now. So I, I don't, no spoilers. You, you should spoil. Yeah. Um, so, you know, mustache cops get, gets gone. Um, and then everyone else is still inside the hotel, I think going, oh fuck. And then this like weird practical effect moth like, <laughs> just like flies through the window. Uh, and Everyone it does like a gangland shotgun jubilee. I, I, I thought I was watching a shootout at from Young Guns. <laughs> right. Like, like there are three people with shotguns. The Rough Riders <laughs> have mounted up <laughs> right. um, and they just blast the fuck out of this moth. Yeah. I mean, if anyone was trying to conserve ammunition, I mean, honestly, although Mike is joking that this is a big moth, it looks like maybe double the size of a bat 
and they shoot probably 150 bullets at least at this thing. Uh, handguns, shotguns, right. whatever. No, no one's reloading. It's just, <laughs> it's just all four of them that are left. Uh, and they do not get this thing at all. No. Uh, that thing that thing is alive and well. Um, and it immediately attacks upon entrance. Yeah, so they, they think after they've emptied every clip they, they have ever conceived of into this thing, they're like, oh yeah, it's, it's gone. It's definitely dead. We killed it. And they look out the window and it's like, there's no body. And then in a, it, this is like one of the more comical moments of the movie, not intentionally. This thing just flies through the window and starts just going to town on Liev Schreiber's face. Yeah, I, I just wrote all up in his face. It is, it, it is immediate. All up in his face. <laughs> and it's just like, it's, it's just, it's going to town. And they, they just start shooting into Moth and Liev Schreiber's face. And then... I don't know if they killed the moth or if it just left. <laughs> yeah, I also wrote that, that literally no one knows if it's alive or dead at this point in time. If it's even in the room, I have no right. idea. That is not established, but... They immediately board up the window. They board up the window. It is established that Liev Schreiber is dead and also does not have a face because they, <laughs> they show us this face that is not a face. It is just a red mist. And then Rose McGowan steps in with some weird prophecy of uh, it, it thinks it's the devil. It wants to dance with us. I <laughs> yeah. She she all of a sudden knows it all. Um, and so Ben Affleck's or I don't. Someone said, well, "Why hasn't it killed us?" She says, "It takes men like him." <laughs> that that was her explanation. So she, I mean, he, you know, he was making weird pervy eyes at her the whole movie. So she she knew what he was about. <laughs> she did not want to dance with him. No. So. Now, now we cut to an office in New York or Chicago, some some city. I don't think that's established, and we we have the offices of the Weekly World News, like the Bat Boy newspaper, and actor Peter O'Toole, Lawrence of Arabia, yeah, poor guy, is in this movie, and he's there making himself a cup of tea, and some FBI guys show up and they're like, were they FBI? I, I was actually actively trying to find out what branch of the government they were for. Well, they said they were. FBI. Okay. That, okay. Um, and they're like, we want to talk to you about the ancient evil. And he's like, yeah, all right. I, I'm Peter <laughs> O'Toole. That is, uh, <laughs> come, yes. come and speak for me. Um, like, what do you want to know? Uh, Tea time. And they're like, well, it's a matter of national security. And they kind of kidnap him and take him on a plane, and then we don't see him for a little bit. Um, yeah, that is another thing I want to point out. I mean, sporadically, I'll make these comments as we kind of go through, but I feel people dip in and out of this movie like you would not believe. There are moments I'm like, where are Rose McGowan and her sister? Where's Ben Affleck? Peter O'Toole is in and out of this film like he maybe filmed it within 24 hours that we need you for a couple scenes. Uh, I don't know if you caught that at all. But no, no. I mean, I, I feel like he probably broke down weeping <laughs> and the director had to like put a blanket over him. I was him Lawrence and, of Arabia yeah. dance. <laughs> I don't deserve this. But I, I can't do it with Lawrence. Um, yeah. So... We we kind of cut back to the police station. They're in, they're hanging out in the police station. Now. This is my favorite scene of the film. Why why is that? <laughs> uh, so they, so they're getting weird flirty. Where the older sister, Doc's sister, Jenny, is uh, talking to Ben Affleck, and he tries to open up about his past experience. Oh, did, yeah. <laughs> and he so he talks about this child that he accidentally murdered, um, and it turns out that he was you know called into this house and he thought someone was in there and this child had a toy gun and he accidentally shot him and it's all terrible but why it's my favorite scene is it is bananas that he pulls out a full-on newspaper page not really a clipping but like the full page of a newspaper and he keeps it in his wallet as a reminder of the crime he committed against this kid as he's explaining it and somewhat flirting with this woman um it was just an odd move. I, yeah, I mean, he came in strong. Well, she she was asking what he was doing there. And he, she said, and th this was not established before, I don't believe. She's like, so, you know, you went to Harvard two years in the FBI. How'd you end up in uh, this little shithole? Yeah. And he's like, well, here, here's a full-size newspaper clipping of a child that I shot. 
Yeah, it's kind of sad. I do like Georgetown, but they, within the movie, highlight that that town is garbage uh, every which way. So I do want to highlight, <laughs> I like Georgetown. Yeah, Georgetown is great. The, again, the saltwater taffy. <laughs> then uh, we get to uh, uh, Rose McGowan needs to use the restroom. She was trying to uh, somewhat take a nap, I think, in another room, not working. She needs to use the restroom. And honestly, she wants an escort just because of all the weird things. And Ben Affleck, you know, checks out the restroom ahead of time. So they walk in and no one's there and she's about to use the restroom. And then we pan to the sink and then uh, Rose McGowan's going through a bag. She drops a cigarette into the bathroom sink. And then uh, we hear some flashes and then there's a lot of uh, weird, more phantom stuff that happens. And if you want to take it from there. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Mike's favorite appears. He's back. Yeah, Le Leif Schreiber's back. Stu's back. He doesn't have eyes this time. Uh, and he says his his catchphrase from the movie. Uh, I say catchphrase because he says it constantly. Um, Want to see something? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he is. The and then he, the he pres thing. presumably showed her something. Uh, I, but we, ju we just cut away from that. Now, now we're back with Lawrence of Arabia and he's on like a private plane with the FBI guys. And this is where we kind of start to establish like what what the villain of this movie is, what this, what the phantoms are. Yeah, and here's kind of the crazy thing, too. Peter O'Toole is some kind of doctor in something. Yeah, he's, it, he's like a disgraced doctor. Yeah, and I don't really know in what field of study, because what he does throughout the rest of the movie would require multiple PhDs he, and multiple disciplines. He has a doctorate in every convenient science. Right, but somehow he's basically working at a tabloid magazine. That is correct. And now these FBI agents are even making fun of him. They're right? just clowning on him. Yeah, yeah the, the like, whole time. They're like, oh, do you know where Elvis is? You know, we've been looking for Elvis for all of these years. And now, you know, Peter O'Toole's getting pissed off because he's getting mocked by these people. Right. But he's a disgraced doctor, but later somehow redeems himself by becoming the world's greatest doctor somehow. Um, well, we, yeah, maybe. And so, so he he starts to explain to them very very seriously, like, you know, this is the ancient the ancient evil. Is that what they call it, the ancient evil? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's like throughout throughout time, all the disappearances that we haven't solved, the Mayans, Roanoke, uh, that's all caused by this this bro. So you know, any any mass disappearance has been caused by the the, the ancient evil. And you know, the, the historically the Mayans, we don't. I mean, I, I say this. We, we don't know what happened to the Mayans. It's just kind of the civilization stuff. Uh, Roanoke, you know, for anyone who listens to any kind of unsolved mystery podcast, like the whole Croatoan thing. I mean, I think contemporarily we, we know what happened to them. But, for you know, within the constraints of this movie, it's like this was a group of people that disappeared. And these are, according to Peter O'Toole, attributed to the ancient evil. So it just it comes up every every once in a while and like takes out a, a group of folks yeah, so that's established, and that's another two points that I want to note back to Stephen King. So this thing, you know, becomes dormant, and it wakes up again, and then it feeds, and it comes from the earth somehow. We don't know what it is. Seems a lot like Pennywise from It. Then, uh, now we're, uh, this team uh, assembles, and the government rolls into town. So Peter O'Toole and all these trucks, these Big Mac trucks roll in, and they're all in town, and all these, uh, you know scientists and I, I think military, I really don't know what their their area is, they start spreading out and they form smaller groups. And then again, it pans to the sink and we hear voices from the sink. And I think that's Stephen King it too, that mm -hmm. you, know, you heard voices in the sewer and the sink. Right, there's like the sound of a kid singing. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. sewage jumps out in front of, or uh, bursts out of the right. pipe. The, or in the, the scientist that's looking for the voice, like it's just comically peering way too close down this drain pipe and just gets goo blasted right in the face. And he just, he flips out. He's like, Oh, it's just, it's just sewage. And it was like, you you know, you were thinking it's going to like melt through his mask or something, but then it's just, it's just like poo. Yeah. And then we quickly just, you know, keep the story going. These, these groups are pretty much taken out immediately that it seems like there's maybe three, four, I don't know, maybe even five groups and they split up and they're, you know, you see scenes that they're, you know, checking out people's food and, and there's scenes of... Right, there's a, we have a montage. We're in a montage yeah, now. Yeah, the montage is pretty weird, too. So, you know, they're checking out, you know, the disappe the disappearance of all these people. And they go to all these houses, and you see these scientists with these, you know, weird Geiger counter-like devices. You hear a... 
and you know they're looking for things. They're they're starting the blender. I did note that my favorite one is they're just sitting in a room that it looks like it just happened to be Thanksgiving and candles are still lit. <laughs> that was kind of weird. Um, and then uh, they're they're yeah, as I said, they're taken out pretty much immediately and. They go kind of scene by scene where, like, one group's taken out, there's a flash, people are disappearing. And I want to give a side note, like, such a B-side performance. They show that there's either a soldier or a scientist, again, I, I really don't know the group of people that's there, that this person is actually in the sewer. Velasquez. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that 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 actor is Michael D. Lorenzo. I looked him up because he's one of the few people that actually, they're all wearing biohazard, you know, masks and suits. He rips it off before he's killed, and I thought, wait a minute, isn't that Michael D. Lorenzo from um, Head of the Class? And it is. And that was such a weird cameo that from the 80s show Head of the Class that this guy was there, and then I felt maybe we'd never see him again. I looked him up Much really... Much like Head of the Class. <laughs> yeah, well, I looked him up really quickly. I'm like, what else was he in? And he was listed in Breakin' as dancer of course so. yeah so they velasquez is in the sewer to like hook power up to the the sweet military camper van of science that they have um but he gets distracted and starts shooting off his gun and people yell velasquez and he never comes back yeah then all of a sudden like every single scientist is just straight up possessed That's right so so yeah the you know we have the montage we have the velasquez in the sewer and then we we kind of everyone convenes in the church which makes everyone super uneasy, as churches should do. But they're in the church, and they find a new a new pile of metal stuff, like much like what they found in the hotel earlier. Earlier, and um, and Lawrence of Arabia, Larry. Uh, he's just like, yes, that's uh, those are the undigestible bits. They're pieces of people who that the evil couldn't digest. Um, and all the scientists are like, all right. Um, and then. They're just like being awkward in the church, and then a a dog comes in the door. A heckin' good a heckin' good boy just comes in, looking all adorable. And this, when I said that Leah Schreiber was the second best actor in the movie, I believe that this dog is the best actor. I'd in the give movie. it to the dog. Um, he comes in and he's just like, whatever. How's it going, guys? Um, and they're like, oh yeah, it's it's a cute little dog, and they go to pet it. Uh, but then the dog grows tentacles that stabs everyone in the face. This dog just. Tentacles shoot out of his back, and everyone gets stabbed in the face. Yeah, this evil, too, I don't know if it's an alien, I don't know if it's a demonic presence, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, my note on this was, damn, it absolutely hates those scientists. It really does. Because, you know, the main characters that we're seeing, Peter O'Toole, Ben Affleck, Rose McGowan, clearly they're still alive in all this, but it's not even like this entity is going for them at any point in time, but the moment it sees a scientist, you are, you are just dead. It is... It is like an 80s film that if you just had sex in the woods and you were a teenager, immediately someone's going to kill you with an axe, a Friday the 13th style. So if you were in a hazmat suit, you basically have a crosshairs on you. Except for Peter O'Toole. He seems to <laughs> fare pretty well, cause, but it's established, uh, I think, pretty soon it, through, I don't even remember how, but... The ancient evil was the one that wrote the message. It wasn't like a townsfolk looking for help. The ancient evil really wanted... Peter O'Toole to come hang out because he wanted to have his story told. And he thought that a disgraced doctor who wrote for the Weekly World News was the best way to tell the world his story. Yeah, I immediately wrote this. Why does this alien or demon or whatever it is, why does it want Peter O'Toole's character specifically to write this? And he says, like, he spits out this blood, this creature. Uh, he's in one of the drones, uh, Possessed Human. And he spits out this blood, which turns into a lizard. Which it, I it turns into like a gecko. Yeah, which is and super. then it tries to sell its car insurance. And then it turns back into goo again. It does turn back into goo, which is super weird. And, and, and while the drone is still there, he says, you know, take my flesh, write my gospel. Um, so he thinks, it, you know, this entity thinks it's a god. And it so this god wants Peter O'Toole to write its story, to write the new Bible in the version... I have no idea why specifically, and it's never established. Again, Peter O'Toole literally said earlier, I guess which we didn't tell you, but the FBI asked, why are you working at this weird tabloid? And he straight up says, for the money. So this guy's working paycheck to paycheck, working at this crap magazine or newspaper, and uh, he's a disgraced doctor in many fields. And 
somehow best writer in town. Right. Well, maybe this is like a Men in Black thing where they look for the Weekly World News because that's where the legit stories are. Maybe where wherever the ancient evil lives, like that's the one newspaper he gets. This also is where Peter O'Toole shines with some kind of scientific, you know, uh, background. So he's like, all right, let's go back into this, you know, these vans because they're like medical vans, etc. And he's like, uh, now that we have this flesh, let's analyze it. Like this creature said we should analyze it. So they put it under a microscope. And for some weirdo reason, this microscope has a vocal mode. And they turn on vocal mode. You know, anytime you need vocal mode for what you're analyzing under a, mac a microscope. And it's that vocal mode initiated. Why is there a vocal mode? But I'm, it works out for them because <laughs> this creature starts talking to them via the vocal <laughs> mode through the electronic microscope. Right. That it, they have. It, it's, it's basically they're talking to like Max Headroom right now. <laughs> but, but this is also where uh, where where someone finally says the title of the movie. So we have we have Larry uh, Larry O'Toole finally saying. They're phantoms. It's the phantoms. <laughs> it's always the phantoms. It's always the phantoms. <laughs> we must become phantoms. Um, so that you know, now they're talking to it. They're having a conversation. It's like Bumblebee. It's just it's different voices saying different weird things that they're kind of piecing together. Uh, Rose McGowan is like, let's just nuke the fuck out of this thing. Like, we're in a science van. Can we do that? <laughs> this is the one time I almost feel Peter O'Toole might have been ad libbing. Yeah, because Rose McGowan's like, why don't we drop nukes on this thing? Why don't we bomb it? And Peter O'Toole just keep calm, <laughs> keeps calmly saying, how would we deliver that to it? It's like, <laughs> we don't even know about this. And Rose McGowan just keeps saying we should nuke the thing. I thought that was fun. And I forgot, Mike, this is definitely a shout out to you. Once they're in this truck, uh, one, uh, Peter O'Toole's like, ah, oh, they taught me how to use it. And that's where he shows that he's a biologist, he's a chemist, he's all sorts of things. And I said, the truck reminds me of the KFC space shuttle truck from the show Community. It, <laughs> is, it is just like the space shuttle, the, the space shuttle Winnebago from, from Community. Um, so yeah, so he, he's running like tests on the goo that he has. Um, he, he has to get it to like the proper tasty, crispy flavor profile. Um, and he realizes after, you know, he sciences, the, he sciences it up that it's oil. It's like it's the same composition as, as crude oil. Um, and then he, so then he determines like, well, there's chemicals that can dissolve oil and we have that in this van because of course we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we have a man-made bacteria that is used to clean up oil spills and it's a newer technology and we just happen to have ample amounts <laughs> of this. And we also have these weird space guns that will shoot them into people. That's on another truck. Ben Affleck, you're going to need to go get that. But I think we're pretty covered. I just figured out all of this. Uh, so there's some kind of entity. Uh, we're going to kill it with this bacteria. I happen to have all of this problem, problem solved. <laughs> right. We got it all in the van. So, yeah, when, when Ben Affleck has to, like, and this is like in Jurassic Park when Samuel L. Jackson has to go turn the breakers on. Um, you know, he's sneaking around. He's, like, playing it cool around the around the phantoms and this is where this is where the dog whoever the dog actor's name was really shined because this dog is like one of the phantom uh drones and it's just sitting there like a good boy but it's looking at him with this like side cocked head like what are you doing bro like like a dog would like this is the this dog is delivering the best performance of this movie i believe that this dog is curious about what ben affleck is doing so when ben affleck later goes through his obstacle of finding another drone and actually getting these devices to like, which are like guns and you load them up and with these, you know, bacteria, uh, et cetera, like bullets. Now, um, he gets back off and the dog is waiting for him and they even superimpose like some demonic face. They give the dog. Yeah. He's got like the, like the eye, like the, <laughs> the, the goo floating around behind his eyes. I hate the goo when no one, no one likes the goo. Also again, going back, this is going to be our sh shout out to probably the only listener we might ever have. I felt everything being in that van is the equivalent to our friend Emily's trunk. That any time in life that <laughs> that's a, that's needed, a shout out. Yeah. yeah that we needed anything. And was like, I have that in my trunk glow sticks, pots and pans, fishing poles, trash bags, snacks. If you Bocce need, ball set? Yeah, if you needed anything. If you wanted a day of activities planned out for you, you just hit up Emily's Trunk. This episode has been sponsored <laughs> by Emily's Trunk. <laughs> doesn't sound right. No, no, it doesn't. Sponsorship opportunity, Emily's Trunk. <laughs> 
Well, back to back to the dog. Uh, the dog lets Ben Affleck go. Um, yeah, the dog just wants to know what's going on. He, you know, he's not he's not there to stop it because he wants his story told. And he, you know, even though Ben Affleck is getting the weird goo gun, um, he doesn't know that he's a heckin' good boy. So now they got a weapon. They're like, all right, we're loaded up. We've got this weapon. We're ready to go. We just need to shoot it. The idea is this: this thing kind of replicates on itself. But they're like, if we could get a couple shots into it, it's basically we're going to take down the Matrix system. Some kind of hive mind that if we could shoot it into a couple of these drones, it's going to infect it. It's basically Independence Day in a nutshell. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty accurate. Well, we're going to give this thing the common cold. <laughs> we give the alien a cold. So, yeah, so they, they got the goo gun. They loaded it up with the, the ample amounts of anti-petroleum poison that they have for some reason. Um, and... They, they decide they're going to use Peter O'Toole as bait. Like, you're going to go out there. You're going to talk about how you're going to, you know, you're going to tell the story and you're going to get this guy to come out. Because we need, we need a lot of him, you know, we yeah. can't just shoot and phantom. We have to, we have to get some, some decent, you know, yeah, well, they, carry on. Yeah, they, they figure that no matter what, this thing won't kill Peter O'Toole. They want Peter O'Toole to write this story. So part of it, I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. This is the one person this thing won't kill. So Peter O'Toole's job is just to you know get him out because all these drones, all these you know possessed people, need to show up and they need to infect at least several of them. But Peter O'Toole flips the script on them and doesn't say anything, and he starts taunting them in different ways. And he straight up says, hey, my friends in this truck, they're building a weapon. They're going to kill you. Ben Affleck loses it immediately. Like, oh, my God, this guy sold us out. And then uh, Jenny, the doctor's sister, says, no, no, let him play his hand like she knows him intimately and met him five minutes ago. And the drones aren't appearing, and I love what Peter O'Toole says. Uh, and he delivers it with this huge pause that this thing isn't appearing. And he goes, gods have nothing to fear. Or do they? <laughs> and that pisses this thing right off. And then, you know, the whole town of possessed people appear. As said before, it should be about 400 people. It looks like maybe 35 people showed up to this party. I actually like the scene because, like, there's he's by himself on an empty street yelling down a manhole cover. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, taunting like, aren't you a god? You're not an animal, as he as he pronounces animal. <laughs> um, and then, like, it kind of pans to him, and then it pans back, and then the street is just full of, you know, phantoms. Like, the, the people that it have been have been phantomed. Um, and then then we actually get to see the phantom. And this is this was the moment where the movie really, really went off the rails. Yeah. I mean, it's like, this is, what, 1998? Yeah, so unfortunately for me, this was the most memorable from the first viewing that, you know, I did remember the story overall. And again, it's been well over a decade since I saw this the, for the very first time. And I just remember it getting really bad. And I, hey, I got another Stephen King shout out. So the Phantom itself turns into this spiral of people. Yeah, which, it's like a light tornado that keeps sucking people into it. Which totally reminds me of Stephen King's It with uh -huh. all those kids swirling yeah. around. It did look just like that. It, just with horrible special effects. These right. special effects here are so bad. Even even for 1998, they're, yeah. they're, they're bad. I mean, keep in mind, like, The Matrix came out a year later. Yeah, this is rough. It's it's pretty bad, and you know, and then Peter O'Toole's like, "Oh, you you've got to shoot it. You, I I can't do. I'm not doing the <laughs> accents. Well, I'm gonna stop with that." He's like, "You have to shoot it now. Shoot it now." And then you know, Benny comes out and he starts, you know, pumping goo into this thing, and I, you know, when you first watch this movie, you're like, "This is the climax. There's gonna be like a battle," but it just goes like, ah, and then it kind of disappears. Like it is not, it's not super climactic. Like it just, it just kind of freaks out because it's got the goo in it. Yeah, and so the sisters. Uh, which now we see again, I feel there was kind of an absence. So Lisa and Jenny are back and all of a sudden they're like, we need to run. And so they take off and run and it is not established why they thought they needed to run. They true. just, wherever they were, they wanted to be in a different place. And I think they get back into the police station. I, I think that's okay? correct. And Hey, boom, Stu's back. Stu's back. <laughs> Leo Shriver's back. And the, he, his lower half is missing eventually. And he turns into a weird octopus man. Yeah, he's got like tentacles because they, they also do like when he shows up, they do kind of a recreation of the the moth scene. Like it is just a Saint Valentine's Day massacre of shooting stew. <laughs> yeah. And then 
he's like laying on the floor and his bottom half is missing, but it's tentacles. But then he starts, he, he says his catchphrase again. You want to see something? <laughs> and he starts crawling at them with the tentacles. And uh, he's making jokes. He's I, like, I wrote that wise. making weird jokes. Right. Like he, there's like a, a broomstick falls and he limbos under it. And he makes like a limbo joke. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this movie, again, it needs to pick a lane. Are these funny zombie demons? Right. I don't know what's going on. Well, and like Stu, the Stu zombie is a different class of zombie. Right. He, like he's pretty autonomous. He's got his own thing going on. The rest of them kind of seem more hive mind oriented. Uh, but eventually they get tired of being chased by Stu. They they shoot him some more. Uh, Dr. Lady has, has like a syringe of the stuff. She stabs him with it. Yeah, I, I do want to point out, so... I was under the impression when they even got these guns to shoot these syringes, as I said, like syringe bullets or whatever they were. I can't remember exactly. I was under the impression that like maybe they made like six. They have at least a hundred. They have they have gallons of this <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, like like so. At one point in time, Peter O'Toole, sorry, going back, Peter O'Toole's like, oh, I have this whole cabinet of diseases and bacteria. <laughs> right. He literally opens up this weird magician's chest or armoire. And all of these vials are there, but this particular virus that is man-made, yeah, as Mike said, they have gallons of it. Just an insane amount. Some break, some don't. They've shot right. up some people. Whatever you need. I mean, they've got the goo. They, they have all the goo. Yeah, so getting getting back to, to Stu, he, he's got the goo in him. He's like, oh, you poisoned me. What'd you do? Ah, I'm Stu. And then... Uh, Dr. Lady takes her additional syringe, which she she has more apparently, and she jams it into the front of a shotgun and she just stabs him in the face and shoots. And he, he turns into like a demogorgon for a second. He has like this like rose petal face. And then then he's he's dead, I think. Then we we're, we're back with uh, Bryce. Bryce is confronting his demons yet again. I don't remember how he got this way, but this made me highlight again that He's got a dozen vials on him of this, you know, bacteria. And now his phantom that he is facing is the ghost of the child that he shot. And Ben Affleck is thrown literally across a room. Yeah, the, 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 go, the phantom of the child grows a tentacle, much like the dog did earlier, and just ragdolls him across the room. <laughs> like, it is like a comedy like yeah, a, a flip. Yeah, yeah, you're not getting up from this. I mean, you would have at least a dozen broken bones. Uh, you probably would be unconscious. You're most likely not even alive. Ben Affleck, no problem. Um, and the kid taunts him. I'm going to keep you alive so you could remember this. And then Ben Affleck picks up a gun. And the kid taunts him again. Ah, so you're going to shoot a child again? He goes, no, this time I'm going to miss. Shoots all the vials that this kid is holding. And that blows up in the face. And then it infects them too. And again, going back, the goal was if we infect several of these drones, it will basically upload back to this hive mind creature and it will kill it. So we just have to do it. And it apparently is working. And so that's kind of where we're at with that, that, hey, success, they're doing it. Yeah. And so and that, that, that's kind of it. That's that's the end of the real. It's pretty anticlimactic. Um, then we, we cut to Peter O'Toole and he's, he's sitting in like a wingback chair on television talking about his newfound success he he has now a book out called the the ancient enemy and he's explaining how you know it's been alive for years and it's uh, lives in the ground and it's millennia old and it ate dinosaurs once um and all these and all these people are watching it at a bar it's yeah. on the tv and I, I honestly i actually like it because peter o'toole is highlighting you know we fought this and I, and I could prove it and i have this book and i'm a writer but probably because of his background he's still disgraced and these people at the bar uh, you know, highlight, you know, or do you believe any of this trash? This is all made up. It's just another tabloid. And so although these things happened and he could prove it, there's um, no one's going to believe it. But <laughs> this is definitely my shout out to Mike as I highlighted Stu being his favorite character all throughout all throughout all this. You have a major twist at the end of this, which is <laughs> Stu is there. He's eating like fucking sunflower seeds at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> um. And he, he's he's kind of he's chortling to himself, and the bar folk are like, "What's so funny there, Sheriff?" Um, and I, I don't remember what he sa he says something otherwise, but then he kind of turns to him and says his catchphrase again. Want to see something? And then, and then, and then that's it. Credits yeah. roll. That's the end of the movie. Yeah, and uh, what was the platform we watched this on? 
Pluto? Oh, yeah, we watched it on Pluto. We so, on Pluto. So there were commercials, and immediately upon him saying that catchphrase, it went into a commercial about a show of people riding horses. Is it a show? I don't, I, I don't no know. No one knows what that commercial's for. Yeah, so that, that was a little off-putting in all of this. So you definitely have access, anyone listening to this, if you do want to watch it, you yeah, can watch Pluto, it Yeah, Pluto, great platform for watching movies. Sponsorship opportunity, Pluto. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um, Rabbit Troop Sucks loves Pluto. Yeah, so that was that was our you know walkthrough of Phantoms. You know, we definitely wanted to highlight that. You know, this was filmed in Colorado. That was honestly for me the, the, my favorite thing. I did like all the aerial shots uh, that you get to see of Georgetown. If you do go to Georgetown, it pretty much looks the same. Maybe fresher paint, but you know it's more of an old historic uh, area, and you could get really fun things and you know great food and stuff like that. Uh, as Mike said, we'll probably do more movies that involve. Uh, Colorado directors are being filmed in Colorado, various areas. What was that movie that was fake filmed here? It was um, with Liam Neeson that we watched. It said it was filmed in Denver. Oh, Cold Pursuit? Oh, Cold Pursuit. We should definitely look at it. And there's the original version. And if anyone ever watches Cold Pursuit, it's not really filmed in Denver, but they just have a backdrop of a fake right. Denver sometimes. <laughs> they, they, show, they show him driving to Denver pretty routinely for some reason. But he's never actually in Denver. Yeah, if we get a, another one that Mike and I re watched re recently, I'm all about ladybugs. Um, yeah, lady, ladybugs. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully if you like this, we're going to keep ironing some things out. And if you want to listen to us further, feel free to subscribe or give us any kind of commentary. We did start a email and we have, you know, ways to be contacted, I guess. So it is rabbit troop sucks podcast at gmail.com and i know it's lengthy but if you want a good gmail or one that is appropriate you're gonna have to work with it and again it's rabbit troop sucks podcast at gmail.com uh we don't have a movie planned for next time but i'm sure after we record this we'll discuss that but hopefully you enjoyed this um Mike, what, what do you want to say as a final overview of Phantoms? Would you recommend it? Do you want to talk about grades? I don't feel we always need to leave off with a yeah, grade I'd, or anything. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. I'd, I, like I said, I, the, well, man, I can't recommend that anyone would, would ever watch this movie. That being said, I do enjoy this movie. I, I, it has merit for me. It's like, if this movie was, if it had better actors in it, actually, I can't even say that because most of the actors in this movie are okay. Um, yeah. If it had not Ben Affleck in it, and if it had slightly tighter screenwriting, I think this would actually be a pretty decent movie. Um, I've never read the book, and I'm never going to, but I, I like the story. Uh, I don't, I don't think you should watch it. But if it's on TV, you know, if you have, if you're a Pluto subscriber, which is it, Pluto is free, just you know, fire that up, fire it up at night. Yeah, I, I mean, for me personally, I always like seeing a, a movie filmed where I live or someplace that I've been. I mean, that's that's worth it for me alone. Do I plan on watching this movie anytime again uh, in the next 10 years? Maybe it's going to be, you know, a 10-year marathon and anniversary that I thought I watched it maybe 10 years ago and maybe another 10 years. Sure, just to remind myself that I should maybe not watch this movie. Right. Well, I mean, on the on the 10-year anniversary of Rabbit Troop Sucks, and no, we're, nice. we're not going to explain why the podcast is called that. It's some, you'll, you'll know or you won't. Yeah, um, yeah that's fair. Uh, well, yeah, on the 10-year anniversary, we'll, we'll revisit this, when I assume, in our mansions paid for by sponsorship money, um, you know, with our adoring fans all around us. And again, we live in Colorado, so, you know, if any major, you know, dispensary, you know, wants to, you know, bankroll us big... Rabbit Troop Sucks, brought to you by Marijuana and Dispensaries, and then we'll cash any check that you want. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of companies out here. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not drinking Colorado beer now. I was moments ago, but right now I'm not. But Colorado breweries. Um, I, I'm assuming this podcast is going to blow up within the next couple weeks. I um, was even before the next episode. I would assume. I I heard some rumors that Elon Musk was going to drop the whole Twitter. Uh, purchase and maybe you know join us just he, he thought this is worthwhile so. I, I run into his brother every once in a while i'll just i'll slip a i'll, I'll slip a, a usb thumb drive in his in his well, big you, old belt buckle tell old musky that you know we're not above that kind of money so yeah so i you know but i we we don't have uh the next episode planned but i i think to kind of keep some kind of consistent release schedule we're, we're planning on maybe two episodes a month every other week um just to keep some consistency so you have something to look forward to so yeah definitely subscribe um Send us an email. Send us a send us a comment. Doesn't have to be a good comment. Uh, the the rating should be five stars or better. 
That's uh, a given. But the comment doesn't have to. You can tell us whatever you want in the comments. You could you could talk about you know even uh, or write us about people we reference that you don't even know. Um, our friend Emily and her trunk. Yeah. If you want to know more about that, you could you know write us and you know we could get her involved with this. Uh, we could get any kind of guests. Actually, we do we do want to have some guests here in the future, and we've already talked about a couple people. So uh, it'll probably be just Mike and I primarily on most occasions, but I do foresee us having some guests sometime soon. So I, I assume we'll have a, a line of, of guests just waiting to get in. Damn right. And maybe we'll get Peter O'Toole. Uh, Is he still alive? Uh, we could summon Peter O'Toole if he's not. I mean, he's, is he, is, this I, could mean be, I, I genuinely don't know. I mean, before we leave, I should maybe look this up. You should. He's got to be dead. He's he's he was he was Lawrence of Arabia. He's not alive. I mean, anymore. he might be alive just on the anger of this movie alone that he the Phantoms kept him alive. That's fair. So yeah, should you the summarize? Should you watch Phantoms? If you've been curious about what Jay was talking about all those years ago and what Ben Affleck was the bomb in. You should watch Phantoms. And unfortunately, Peter O'Toole died in 2013. So so he made it 15 years after making this movie. Yeah, it's hard to wash yourself clean after, after wow. Phantoms. He really tried. <laughs> well, enjoy, everybody. Uh, we look forward to doing this again, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Have a good one. Rabbit Troop sucks. <laughs> Rabbit Troop sucks. Rabbit Troop sucks.